This is the Tuesday edition of Locked On Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, Tom Gazzola with you, host of the Oilers pre- and post-game show on TSN 1260, alongside my good friend and TSN 1260's very own Hernan Salas, friend of the program, who ditched me when I suggested we go for post-game libations last night. And I saw you when I brought it up. Give me that side eye like you're interested and wanted to make it happen. But after the game and after the show, what did you do to me? I said I had to bail. I, I didn't realize it was Monday, so, you know. How dare <laughs> Hernan, you? Hernan doesn't start uh, hitting the, the hard stuff till at least Wednesday. So, yeah, Monday, Tuesday are like recovery days, and then oh my it's God. full go. Well, I hope your girlfriend <laughs> had fun hanging out with you. <laughs> oh, I mean, how can she not? I'm a pleasure to be around. Yeah. Yeah, and I was looking forward to having some drinks post-game after a good show, early start, only to be yeah. ditched right at the last second. Uh, excuse me, I'll make it up to you on Thursday, though. It's another early one, yeah. uh, and uh, it's Thirsty Thursday, so it might Ooh. be even better now, Tom. Ooh, I like the sound of that, and this is public record, so I'll let it be known to the <laughs> listeners out there that if he doesn't, we will hold him accountable. And I'll bring it up on Friday. So it sounds For like a sure. to me. All right, Hernan Salas. So the Oilers knock off the Toronto Maple Leafs 6-4 last night. That was an impressive victory. Edmonton now 2-0-1 on this current five-game road swing. And they won two of what I thought would be the hardest games on this trip. They win in Boston on Saturday. They go into Toronto, a team that had rattled off points in 10 straight games. We're 9-0-1. And, oh, by the way, the Oilers hadn't won in Toronto in almost 10 years. What would you make of what we witnessed last night? Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Um, I just had a good feeling last night about them winning the game. I, of course, it was just a, you know just me throwing out, uh, yeah, they're going to win. But they were due. I mean, 10 years is a long time to go without a win in Toronto. And they hadn't won. They hadn't beaten them since 2016. So, Coming off a Boston game where it's probably their best game uh, in the last month or so, I, I was pretty confident in them. I was a little skeptical about Mike Smith getting the start. Once again, I thought he might be pushing it. Um, they did give up four goals, uh, but they, nonetheless, they scored. Uh, they outscored uh, their opponent, which is always a, a positive, and McDavid was excellent. Uh, good game. I thought first period, excellent. Uh, second period, I mean, you're up 4-1, 3-0, 4-1 at different times in that period. You got to you gotta lock it down. And we talked about immaturity, and I thought Matt Cassian uh, just – I can't remember the word he used yesterday, but he, he didn't agree with our immaturity take, but more like this team's just got to, like, you know, buckle down, like not get nervous, not panic, like just calm down, play the right. game the right way. You're doing what you're doing, right? Yeah, I think and panic is what he said. Yeah, and the game got a little away from them there late in that period, but uh, a big goal in the third by Leon on the power play and McDavid Magic to close it off. Uh, impressive, Tom, because uh, when they kicked off this road trip and they lost that game in Buffalo, I remember me and you saying after, we were just kind of like, yeah, I don't, they're not going to win in Boston. Boston <laughs> at that point had only one regulation loss at home. And then Toronto, just uh, just looking at their stats, you're like, there's no way the order are going to win these two games. And you know, they suck you right back in, right, when you're about to uh, give up on this team once again for another disappointing, uh, you know, second half of the season. They they bring you back in and they give you life uh, and give themselves life. Now seven out of eight points in their last four games, uh, you're not going to be too uh, 
too upset about those numbers. But uh, yeah, two back-to-back excellent games, Tom. And now they go to Montreal, and it's a team that they're not at the level of a Toronto or Boston, so that's there, that game's there for the taking. they got to put a streak together. I know we've been talking about this at, uh, way too much, uh, so we'll see what happens on Thursday, but it's it's impressive what they've done, man. And Mike Smith, kudos to them. Uh, way to bounce back. And then, uh, you know, you still got Matt Benning coming back and all that, so full marks to the Edmonton Oilers for uh, – an impressive four points in two tough buildings against two very, very good teams. And they, they get to Frederick Anderson. Anderson, 12-0-1 going into last night's matchup against the Oilers' lifetime. They get him three times on 19 shots. He gets the yank. You think that Anderson's going to get the loss. Michael Hutchinson comes in. He lets in three more. Toronto manages to score four, so Freddie Anderson gets the no decision as the Oilers win it. By the way, at the other end of the rink, Mike Smith, rock solid, 32 saves on 36 shots. That was his third straight start, Hernan. And a week and a half or two weeks ago on our postgame show, people were saying, get rid of this guy. He's done. He's got nothing left. Why did the Oilers even have him anymore? And lo and behold, a week and a half, two weeks later, he rattles off Two wins in three games and picks up an OT loss in his first stretch of three straight starts ever as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. And he's looked pretty darn good doing it. Is he back? It's, it's funny with Mike Smith because we've seen this, uh, especially late in his career. He, he, he plays well for stretches and he, he kind of goes on long, uh, bad stretches. Then he bounces back. And he was brilliant for Calgary last year in the playoffs after – uh, you know, Riddich kind of got the, the, the net there as the number one, but Mike Smith was solid in the playoffs. They didn't lose because of him, right? It was more of uh, their forwards and their defensemen not, not being able to chip in and play well in that round against Colorado. So, I mean, the Buffalo game, you, not, you weren't going to be too harsh on him. You know, one-on-one against Eichel, you're going to give Eichel that, the, you know, the advantage on that one. And then you look at, the uh, Boston game, he, he was outstanding in that game. And then yesterday, I mean, last night, he, he was good. He wasn't great. I mean, uh, some of those goals you'd like to have back. Uh, I mean, one off, Darnell Nurse, bad luck. Austin Matthews on the fourth goal is just a hell of a shot, top cheddar. So uh, I think it, it's a good step forward for Mike Smith. I don't know if he's completely back to what we saw maybe in that Vegas game uh, in late November and then early on in the season. But he's working towards that. He's better. Now you now you have a goalie that you're confiding in again, right? Like you're not worried about putting him between the pipes, so that's a good sign. Now Miko, who's taking a, a little bit of a step back as well, not as big as Mike Smith did, but Miko Koskinen now needs to get in. I'm pretty sure he'll get to start on Thursday and see if he can bounce back. And, and, and if both guys are going good, I mean, they don't have to be great. They don't have to be outstanding, but just good. Give your chance team to win every night. I think you're, uh, the Oilers will be in a good spot. And Mike Smith wasn't giving him that. Uh, for a month or so. So it's good to see him bounce back. Uh, again, one really good game and then two good, good games. Uh, you know, Toronto won four goals. Most of the time a team will win when they score four, but like I said, you would have scored them. But it's nice to see Mike Smith. And that, it's that veteran presence, Tom, where it's like, you know, we, we heard it on the post game show. We criticized him too. Yep. And it was fair. But uh, to say that he needed to go on waivers, and you had to call up Starrett, who's not an NHL goaltender, or he needed to retire. It was a little much. It was it was fair to criticize him, but those kind of comments are just ridiculous. And you're seeing why 
Colin went out and got a veteran like Mike Smith because he can handle the ups and downs of an NHL season. And you, you're seeing it this week. He's bounced back and given the orders five uh, solid points. It's locked on Oilers. Hernan Salas from TSN 1260 joining us as the Oilers improved to 23-17-5. and five. They've won two straight games, 5-4-1 and one in their last 10, improved to 13-9-2 and two on the road thus far this season. At 51 points, the Oilers sit third in the Pacific Division, heading into action on Tuesday. One point back of the Arizona Coyotes, three points back of the Vegas Golden Knights, one point up on the Vancouver Canucks, and two points up on the Calgary Flames. Busy schedule around the league tonight. 12 games, lots of Pacific Division action as well. So we'll see where the chips will fall following tonight's action. Hernan, when it comes to this Oilers club and what it's been able to do of late, a lot of it always and without surprise rides on the play of Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Last night, McDavid was absolutely brilliant. A goal and three assists. He is sitting first in league scoring at 69 points, 24 goals, 45 assists through 45 games, minus two, by the way. And what can you make of, of what we saw from number 97 last night? Because that goal, my goodness, I don't know how to describe it. Just McDavid-esque. I don't know how I would do it. That's why I'm asking you. And by the way, that was his 11th career four-point game, Hernan. That's just crazy. I mean, that goal, um, and we've seen some brilliance from McDavid throughout uh, his career, his young career so far. But that goal, just the way it happened, like, you know, looking for that two-on-one, looking it off, like, did he mean to do that? Because Nuge wasn't close to getting there. Right. So, and then cutting back to his left and then just going. It, it, and it's crazy. And I know on the lowdown today with your M. Chuck, we talked about it. And I was like, when, when you're seeing guys like from the Dan Levitard show down south, uh, talking about it when it happened, like his producers and all that, you know, it's a big deal. Like, right. just, and I love, and that's the part of this gig that I love. It's just going, or you don't have to be in the media, just be on Twitter and like seeing all the reaction from people in the U S you know, guys that don't follow hockey much, but you know, they know the brilliance of McDavid and then going out East to Toronto and seeing their, well, their media was kind of quiet. Um, a lot of them praising McDavid, but taking shots at the Oilers at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which is the norm. Uh, but again, it's one of those things where we're so lucky here in Edmonton, you know, decade of darkness, and there's been a lot, a lot, a lot of rough years here, but uh, I think we've been rewarded because we get to watch this guy 82 times a season, hopefully more in the playoffs. Uh, he's just a pleasure. And like, you know, you're seeing the Kulikovs today, Patrick Lyon, he's talking about it. You're seeing other players. You're seeing Kevin Weeks saying he's never seen anyone do that and in any kind of format of hockey, three-on-three, three, you know, shinny, any of that. It's just amazing what this guy does, and uh, we're very lucky to have him here in Edmonton. And hopefully, hopefully Ken Holland can uh, surround him with better talent going forward here, and this team can be a playoff, uh, a playoff contender for many, many years because I think Edmonton deserves that. Well, McDavid playing on a line right now with James Neal and Zach Cassian. Obviously, it worked last night. It worked on Saturday afternoon in Boston. And what we've seen is that has created an opportunity for Leon Dreisaitl to center his own line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the left side and the recently recalled Kyler Yamamoto on the right side. Yamamoto, two goals and assists in the four games that he's played, scores again last night. 
Do the Oilers, Hernan, have a legitimate second line now, or should we tap the brakes on that excitement? No, I, th- I, I don't think it's too early now. We're, what, four games into Yamamoto? Yep. Yes, because he played the Ranger game. And he's brought an element that no one else on this team has brought yet to that second line. So I, I like the look of the top six now. The best top six we've seen probably in a year and a half. We're going back to last season, Tom. Right. So, um, I mean, is Yamamoto going to go in the wall here? Probably because all young players do. But if, if he can keep it to, you know, two, three games and then bounce back, um, you know, I think they'll be in good shape. But when you're playing with a guy like Dreisaitl and Nuge, like two, uh, one superstar and one guy that's really reliable at both ends of the ice, I think you're in a good spot. And then McDavid can create his own magic with Cassian and James Neal, who I really like James Neal in the last couple of games. I find him really engaged, like throwing his body. He's around the net. He's getting shots on net. So for me, I love the look of these two lines. It's um, it's something the Oilers desperately needed. And Listen, I know everybody wanted Yamamoto up here, but I think those three months in Bakersfield were, uh, you know, it paid huge dividends for him because I don't think he's the same player if you call him at the end of October. Call him up. Yeah, I agree with I, you. I, yeah, I think that time down there helped him, and now he's ready to go. And he, you saw him even yesterday, Tom, and he's playing penalty kill already. So he has the trust of the coach. And now if you can get uh, your bottom six to chip in here and there, like you, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. What the others have to get away from is their defensive mistakes. And that's not just the defensemen, but the forwards as well. We saw Clefbaum with a, with a bad pinch yesterday at 4-1. There's no need for that. So they got to get out of their own way. They got to be able to get the puck out of their zone uh, a lot quicker. They struggle when they have the ball, against, uh, the ball, the puck <laughs> against the wall. Uh, in their own zone, they struggle mightily at that. So it's something they have to they have to work on. But right now, this is the best the team has looked when it, in terms of lines. Um, Gaetan Haas for me is uh, he surpassed Nigard for me, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not even close. So and and then you know Shahan, Kyra, uh, Archibald are going to be a reliable line. Now, if he can find someone to play with Chason and Haas, I think you got something there because right now Gagne. Patrick Russell, Nigar not really getting the job done. So we'll see what happens on that line. But if they're not bleeding goals for you, then you're fine with that. And you, like you saw yesterday, they were about eight, nine minutes. So that's what you're probably going to see going forward for that line. But for, uh, for you know, the Edmonton Oilers to have a second line that consists of Nuge and Leon Dreisaitl, you have to be pretty happy. It's Locked On Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Tom Gazzola alongside TSN 1260's Hernan Salas, breaking down the world of the Edmonton Oilers as they knock off the red-hot Toronto Maple Leafs on Monday night. 6-4 victory, a brilliant performance by Connor McDavid. Steady performance in goal from Mike Smith. We talked about mm-hmm. the Oilers' emerging second line. Hernan, let's take a look around the rest of the league and let's hone in on the Central Division because the team that the Oilers are going to face next week when they finally return home on Tuesday is the Nashville Predators and the Preds, who as of right now on the outside looking in of the Western Conference playoff picture at 45 points, they have a 19-15-7 record through 41 games. So they're at the midway point of their season. And it's not good enough. Obviously, they have games in hand on pretty much everybody in the conference. Matter of fact, they're the only team in the West that has only played 41 games. It didn't matter, though. On Monday night, they relieved Peter Laviolette of his head coaching duties. And today, they named John Hines just the third coach 
in Preds history. Of course, Barry Trotz was there for what, almost uh, 16, 17, 18 years, something around there. And uh, Laviolette took over for him, took the Preds to the Stanley Cup final the one year. They lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins. What did you make of that move, Hernan? And do you think that'll be enough to salvage the season for the Predators? And is John Hines the answer, a guy who got fired this year by the New Jersey Devils? Yeah, interesting. Uh, I was a little shocked, surprised by the timing of it uh, for Peter Laviolette. Is this team underachieving? Uh, of course, uh, Ryan Ellis injuries really hurting them because Yossi and Ekholm are playing a ton of minutes. They got yep. some young guys in the back end as well. But up front, I mean, they, they their top two lines are, are great. Their third line with Nick Lodino, who has 13 goals, outstanding as well. So, yeah, they're, they're underachieving. Uh, I am surprised John Hines is the guy. I mean, you know, a good coach, obviously. He took the Devils, uh, you know, into the playoffs in his first year, was fired this year. You can't really put it all on him because he had no goaltending. Uh, right. The defense... Their defense is cool with PK there. I mean, it's just the team wasn't built, uh, you know, to be an elite team in the NHL. So you can't put it all on John Hines. But I was a little surprised they went with him. Um, but the NHL is a coaching carousel, right? I mean, uh, coaches he's switching jobs and going to different cities. It, it happens all the time. Um, is it enough? Uh, maybe. I mean, this team is talented, Tom. And I know preseason uh, predictions, everybody had Nashville in the playoffs. I mean, they got a really good goaltending deal. Their defense, they got two studs on it. Uh, three, if you have Ryan Ellis in there. I really yeah. like his game. And then up front, they have, they're have they a solid team. Solid, solid team. They lack that elite superstar. 100% they do. But Forsberg, Johansson, uh, you know, very, very good players. You got Arvidsson as well. So they might be the St. Louis of last year, man. They got to get rolling here, they, like you mentioned. And I think it's important for them, those game in hand. Uh, and that's why the owners got to put a streak, uh, uh, you know, together themselves to to keep Nashville down there. But I think if there's one team that can turn their season around here in the next three months, I think it's the Nashville Predators. We'll see if John Hines can turn them around, uh, and we'll know quick here because uh, they're probably going to give them a two three week look and and then see if this team is trending upwards or if they're kind of remaining flat. Um, and then it might be a personnel decision, and uh, they might be active at the trade deadline. So. I was a little surprised about the the firing. I was a little surprised about the hiring, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, they made this move because they think they should be a playoff team and they're underachieving right now, Tom. So, I mean, what, were, I guess, were you more surprised about the firing or the hiring of John Hines? I was surprised by both, quite frankly. Like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I heard John Hines, I was like, okay, I mean... You know, you can't pin it on him in New Jersey because add to the fact that the stuff that you mentioned with the goaltending and defense, his top two centermen were both under 20 years old and Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. Like, what do you expect? And you can go and get as many, like, veteran free agents as you want. They get P.K. Subban. They bring in Nikita Gusev, Wayne Simmons. Uh, They had Taylor Hall and obviously, you know, things went south and so they traded him to, to the Arizona Coyotes. I am a little bit surprised that it is John Hines, but you make a good point. He, a couple of years ago, took a Devils team, which was somewhat mediocre to the playoffs. Indeed, I mean, they lost in five games, but still, they got to the dance. Um, And then you look at what's going on with the Preds this year. They're really getting no offense. Roman Yossi leads them in, in scoring with 44 points. He's a defenseman. He's an elite defenseman, but... Philip Forsberg, 28 points. Matt Duchesne, 28 points. 
Uh, Ryan Johansson, 26 points. That's not good enough for guys who are legitimate stars in the National Hockey League. Uh, Ryan Ellis, who you mentioned, and is obviously injured after being concussed in the Winter Classic on that cheap shot by Corey Perry. He's at 28 points, which is great for a defenseman. Victor Arvidsson, who is generally a pretty good player, only 18 points. Granted, he was hurt, and he's only played 29 games. Another guy that's like really had a bad year and, and has been a healthy scratch at times, and it's not working in Nashville, surprisingly, is Kyle Turris. He just has 17 points in 34 games. Like I think there's a, still a player in Turris, but uh, for whatever reason, it's not working in Nashville. Like Their big guns are not performing, and uh, that whole situation is, is kind of surprising me because I'm one of those guys, Hernan, that kind of had them in the playoff picture. Let's uh, shift gears here. Let's take a look at the All-Star game. It is coming up in a couple of weeks. Connor McDavid will be the captain of the Pacific Division team. Leon Dreisaitl making his second straight All-Star game appearance. Now, the league announced the teams, but they're also doing this last men in for the 2020 All-Star game where you can vote in the last guy on each division's team. And let's, let's look at the Pacific Division and the Oilers nominee for last man in is um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I'm not going to lie to you, Hernan. I don't think he has a hope in hell unless Oilers fans like just <laughs> vote 10 times yeah. a day each. All 1.3 million Edmontonians and however many more people live in northern Alberta and Oilers fans everywhere, like they're going to have to rally behind Nuge because – I don't think he's getting in ahead of Quinn Hughes or Max Pacioretty, to be honest. The other options, by the way, Ryan Getzloff in Anaheim. Uh, Arizona has Clayton Keller. Calgary, Johnny Gaudreau. L.A., Drew Doughty. And San Jose, Tomas Hurdle. So of those guys, uh, who do you think makes it in? And what do you make of Nugent Hopkins' chances of being voted in? Yeah, I think I'm with you. Nugent is loved here, Tom, because he spent so much time. He's got the baby face. You know, he's uh, endured some tough times here. He's a good hockey player. He's not your typical number one overall pick. Fair enough. I mean, he hit 60 points last year for the first time in his career. I I can't see him hitting that again. I think he'll be around that 40 to 50, 52 mark. Um, But he's a reliable player. He's, He's good. He's okay defensively. He's good offensively. He's not having the greatest of seasons. So, yeah, I'm with you. I I. Uh, from that list, I'd probably rank them like fifth or sixth. Yep. Um, I'm with you, man. I think Quinn Hughes should be there. That kid's an absolute stud. I'm a, I'll be honest. I knew he was going to be good. I didn't think he'd be this good this early. Like, this guy is an absolute stud for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, good on them. Uh, I, I, I enjoy watching him. Um, he, he's he's going to be a powerhouse, man. Like, what a player. Second, I'm a Getzlaff. I doubt he no. I, I probably have Johnny Goudreau just because he's he is a skilled player. He is yep. an elite player. He started slow. He's come on. Uh, he's really come on as of late. So for me, it'd probably be between Quinn Hughes, uh, Max Pacioretty, and Johnny Goudreau. But if I had to pick, uh, if I was voting, it'd be Quinn Hughes. Yeah, Quinn Hughes. By the way, having an excellent season, like Hernan mentioned. In 41 games, four goals, 26 assists, 30 points. He trails Kale McCarr uh, by two points in the rookie scoring race. And Victor Olofsson from the Buffalo Sabres, by the way, has taken over top spot when it comes to rookie scoring. 16 goals, 19 assists, 35 points through 42 games. 
And considering he's the only forward of the three, he should be leading them in theory, but uh, McCarr and Hughes, excellent offensive prowess again. Is he so, your pick too, Tom? Uh, my pick, I think I'm going to go with Pacioretty. Like, I really think, yeah. I think he's going to get voted in because, A, he's having a decent year, and, B, like, they love hockey in Vegas, and they rally behind uh, their players. And when it comes to, like, TV numbers and stuff, uh, I think watching the Winter Classic, Vegas was one of the cities that was watching it the most where it had scored the highest ratings. So I think there's a pride there with the, the Golden Knights fan base. And because this is a vote-in player, I think that they're the type of fan base that's rabid enough and has that excitement that they'll vote him in. But I think Quinn Hughes would be a, a fine choice uh, to be voted in. So I think it'll be Pacioretty, but I think Hughes could easily be the guy as well. Yeah, definitely. Like, again, it's. I think it's those are the top two. I think those would. I think if we did a poll. Uh, I think those guys would lead. And uh, again, Goudreau. I have him in there just because he's an elite talent. He's yeah. so skilled, and I love seeing him in three on three. So that's more of a selfish pick. Are you a big fan of the All Star Game? Will you be watching when it takes place in St. Louis? You know what, Tom? It's it's one of those things where. If I'm at home, I'll have it on in the background, and like, and you know, I like the skills competition because I like the guys having fun and relaxing, and there's there's always someone that's you know up to something funny, and so I don't mind that aspect of it. Uh, there was more oiters involved, so I'll be more in tune. And then same thing with the game. I, I like the format now. I hate it when it was five on five. It was just so boring, like, yeah. in you know, no defense and all that. So I like the three on three. I like the way they formatted it. Again, though, Tom. Um, it's not something I'm like stuck to and I'm watching every single minute of it. It's on in my place. I have it on and I'll watch certain parts that I'm intrigued in. Uh, obviously the Pacific division, but if the other divisions are playing, I'll, I'll probably, that's when you get up and maybe uh, cook something or yep. you're on your laptop or whatever. So I don't mind it. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Yeah. I'm, I watch with the casual eye. Speaking of cooking something, it's burrito night at uh, Casa Shea Tom and I went to pick up all the ingredients for the burritos and I forgot yeah. I forgot tortillas and salsa so I have a feeling I'm going so back to the store today uh, two very key ingredients for uh burrito night or yeah rookie mistake <laughs> rookie mistake hey buddy See, Tom but you know what I do now Tom sorry I know we got to go here but you know what I do now I write I make a list because I always forget stuff oh I should make a list I've become that guy. I've made a list and I walk around with a piece of paper at the supermarket. So, yeah. Well, I could have used one today. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, good stuff as always, Hernan. Look forward to uh, doing the show with you again on Thursday as the Oilers get set to take on the Montreal Canadiens. A couple of days off for the Orange and Blue following a big victory in Toronto. For Hernan Salas, I'm Tom Gazzola. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Locked On Oilers here on the Locked On Podcast Network.